من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له فاشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ده ان شاء الله very interesting it's titled the contemporary salafi dawa and unity and uh, the speaker also is inshallah very interesting it's our dear brother jamaluddin zarabodo the brothers and sisters have heard him over the previous days and today inshallah we will learn more about contemporary salafi dawa and unity and inshallah this is the time to ask you know questions about uh, you know groups and all that kind of stuff inshallah today will be the opportunity to get those things resolved inshallah it will be one hour lecture and half an hour uh, question and inshallah jazakallah khair bismillahirrahmanirrahim alhamdulillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala sayyidina muhammad wa ba'd well that was a very interesting introduction that's for sure <laughs> whether the speech will be interesting will be inshallah needs to be seen calling the speaker interesting i don't know if that's an insult or a compliment but anyway <laughs> we will move on inshallah from there <clears throat> as as brother kamal mentioned the lecture topic is contemporary salafi dawa and unity and i would like to begin by establishing the fact that every muslim and he should realize and that is if muslims are truly and sincerely interested in unity and what i mean by unity is the kind of unity that the quran calls for and not just coming together for the sake of some political or economic benefit but real unity coming together as brothers in Islam for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then in fact if they are interested in that then the only way and the only means to achieve that unity is through what is known or what is called the salafi dawa all of the other dawas all of the other calls all of the other claims that are present will never lead to true unity and will always cause disunity among the muslims and there are some very basic reasons for why that is the case when you talk about unity whether you're talking about among muslims or you're talking about among any group of people the first thing you have to establish among them is some kind of common ground and some kind of common basis and it should be the case and inshallah let's say it is the case that at least all muslims every muslim will agree in the authority or so to speak the supreme authority of the quran and that at least should be one thing that all muslims do not differ about and they can all come together and say that the quran is the number one authority in the lives of the muslims however and to jump the gun a little bit jump the gun is that way anyway 
Most is my expert on expression. Is that right? Is it done? Volume? I can turn my own volume up, as you know. <laughs> Most is very well familiar with that. <laughs> so as I said, and all Muslims should be able to come together and agree that the Quran is the ultimate authority for every Muslim. However, we can say that the only da'wah, the only call, the only methodology that calls for complete and unconditional acceptance of the Qur'an is the call or the da'wah known as the Salafi da'wah. And I have to stress this again, they are calling for the complete and unconditional acceptance and application of the Qur'an. And inshallah as I go along, you will inshallah understand exactly what I mean by that and why I say that it is only the Salafi da'wah that is calling for that. In reality, we can say that it is only the Salafi da'wah that completely and truly applies the following verse of the Qur'an. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَتِيُوا اللَّهَ وَأَتِيُوا الرَّسُولُ وَأُولِي أَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ فَإِنْ تَنَزَّعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ ذَلِكَ خَيْرٌ وَأَحْسَنُ تَأْوِيلَهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse says, O believers, obey Allah and obey the messenger and those in authority among you. If you differ, if you dispute about any matter, then take that matter to Allah and the messenger if in fact you are true believers. In Allah in the last day. So in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering us to obey Allah and to obey the Messenger and to obey those in authority among us. And if we differ in any matter, what is the source of the res- resolution? Where do we turn to if there are differences among us? What is the criteria that will tell us what is right and wrong whenever we have differences of opinion among us? It is the Qur'an and Sunnah. As described here, فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُ And he take it back to Allah, meaning the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the messenger, meaning the messenger when he was alive, and his Sunnah, and his way, and his teachings after his death. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering us to obey Allah and obey the messenger, and in case of dispute, we take it back to Allah and the Messenger. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, in numerous places in the Qur'an, orders us to follow and obey the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And then I will not bore you with the details. Inshallah I will not be boring you, but I will not give you again the details because I'm sure you're all familiar with the numerous verses in the Qur'an in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to follow the way of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and to follow his teachings. And whatever he gives us, we must take. And whatever he abstains from us, uh, whatever he prohibits us, we must abstain from. Again, the only group, the only call, I should say, that unconditionally 
and completely accepts this call of the Quran, the only one that can make that claim is once again the Salafi methodology or the Salafi da'wah. And then finally, there's the only the Salafi da'wah who adheres completely and loyally to the way of the Salaf or the way of the companions in particular and those who followed the companions and good. And if there are those who truly apply this verse in the Quran of applying or following the way of the believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ يُشَقِّكَ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيِّنَ لَهُ تَبَيِّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَبَّعَ غَيْرِ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تُوَلَّهُ وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمُ وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying whoever opposes the messenger after the guidance has been made clear to them and follows a way other than the way of the believers we shall turn him to that which he has turned himself and he shall reside in the hellfire and an evil destiny or an evil journey that is. Also the Salafi Dawah, and this is part of the teaching of the Quran. So if we claim to follow the Quran, we have to follow this command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this teaching that we cannot stray from the way of the believers. Which first and foremost of course applies to the way of the believers, and meaning the Sahaba and those people around the Prophet ﷺ. And also the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Again, and since we claim to be following the Qur'an, we have to follow also the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And in one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, in which he gave the uh, Sahaba a khutbah or an address, and in which the uh, the hearts were moved and the tears flowed because of this address, address, and they told the Prophet ﷺ that this was as if it were a farewell speech that he had given them. So they, they asked him to give them some advice. So the Prophet ﷺ said, أُسِيكُمْ Allah," And I advise you to have taqwa of Allah and to hear and obey even if your ruler is a Habashi or Ethiopian slave. For the one who will live among you after me shall see many differences. فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِالسُنَّةِ وَالسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الْمَهْدِيِينَ الرَّشِدِينَ So therefore follow and stick to my sunnah, to my way and the way of the khulafa, the, the rightly guided leaders after me. And stick to them completely like biting on to them with your molar teeth. And stay away from any innovative or new matters for every new matter is an innovation or a heresy, and every heresy is misguidance. Now, who among all of the different calls? And the the the, the Sahaba they said to the Prophet ﷺ that it is as if and you had just given us a farewell speech. So, what is the advice that you can give us? So, therefore, the Prophet ﷺ was stressing something very important in this hadith. And it's something essential to keeping the Muslims deen correct. And he told them to follow his way and to follow the way of the rightly guided khulafa after him. And to stay away from any innovation for every innovation or every newly invented thing is a heresy. 
and every heresy is misguided. And in which group among all of the different groups follow this teaching of the Prophet Muhammad And who can really claim to follow and apply this advice that the Prophet gave as, as if it were a final advice to his Sahaba. And once again, the only ones who can really claim to be applying that and following that are those who adhere to the Salafi methodology. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, also the Prophet ﷺ has told us that and this ummah will break up into different groups and all of them are in the hellfire except for one. Again, who is it that really takes this statement of the Prophet ﷺ seriously and puts it as if it is some kind of, uh, as kind of a guide for their lives? That this ummah will break up into many groups and all of them are in the hellfire except one. And when he was asked which one, he said, Al-Jama'a, or what I am following, what I and my sahab, my uh, companions are following. What I and my companions are following. And meaning all the other ways lead to the hellfire. Except for one way, and that is the way of the Prophet Muhammad and what his companions were following and therefore and not to beleaguer this point because it is kind of an introduction to other things I wish to say and therefore when we say that we have as a common basis the Quran and that all Muslims should unite around the Quran as we talked about yesterday وَأَتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا and he come together, stick together, hold together all of you to the rope, the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if this is true, then the Quran is telling us to follow the Quran and follow the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, his sunnah, and follow the way of the Sahaba and those who follow in their footsteps. And if this means these are the only things that all Muslims should be able to come together upon. We all claim to follow the Quran. And we can all agree upon, let's follow in the Qur'an, well this is what the Qur'an tells us. Follow the Qur'an, follow the Prophet ﷺ, and follow the way of the Sahaba. And this is the only way of Islam. This is the only correct way of Islam. As the Prophet ﷺ said, all the others are in the hellfire. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنَّ هَذَا الصَّرَاتِ مُسْتَقِيمَ فَاتَّبِعُوهُ وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا الصُّبُوهُ فَتَفَرَقُوا بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is my straight path, so follow it. And do not follow any of the other paths as they, as they will make you stray from his path. Now all of the other calls, all of the other da'was, and if you study them closely, you'll see that in fact they are calling to the Qur'an and Sunnah, but always with something additional to it. It's like saying, and that we're going to follow the Quran and Sunnah, but not in this, or but also this, or and this. And in essence, this is what they're saying. And if anyone adds or subtracts anything to the Quran that we can all agree upon, 
And if anyone adds or subtracts something to it, then there's no way that unity will come about through such people or through such calls. It is impossible. Because sooner or later there are going to be Muslims who are reading the Quran and they're going to say that why is it that we have to follow this and this in addition to the Quran? Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has just ordered us to obey Allah and obey the Messenger. And then if we differ in something, we have to take it back to the book and the sunnah. So it will be impossible. And theoretically speaking and practically speaking as we see, it will be impossible for all the Muslims to be united upon anything other than the Quran and the sunnah and following the way of the Sahaba as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us in the Quran. Because if we try to add anything to that, if we try to say, for example, we follow the Quran and Sunnah, and we also follow the teachings of Hassan al-Banna, or we also follow the teachings of Muhammad al-Yas, or we also follow the teachings of Maulana, Maulana Maududi, and also the teachings of Muhammad Surur, and also the teachings of Sheikh Nazim al-Qubrasi, or whatever. And as soon as we add anything on, then any Muslim has the right to come and say, why is it that we, you are expecting or obliging us to follow Sheikh Nazim or Sheikh this or Sheikh that, while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not obliged that upon us in the Qur'an wa Sunnah. So they will never be united. If they're going to take that as an essence, as, as the essence of their da'wah, then not all Muslims will ever come together on something like that. And as soon as you're adding or subtracting anything from the Qur'an, you cannot present any proof from the Qur'an or Sunnah that we should follow Hassan al-Banna or we should follow this man or we should follow that man. And so therefore any Muslim has the right to say, no, I'm going to follow the Qur'an or Sunnah, but I don't agree with this man. So I'm not going to follow this man. And then comes the next important point that we see once again theoretically and practically. And that some of these groups might claim or they might say that no, no, we follow the Quran and Sunnah and the teachings of so-and-so. I don't mean to be mentioning one person in particular over and over. So just so-and-so means all of those people, any of those people, anyone. W.D. Muhammad, anyone, I don't care who you want to say. So they claim, no, no, we're following the Qur'an and Sunnah, but this man is a good man, and he revived Islam, and he brought Islam, and, and so and so, so therefore we're following his teachings also, and we're accepting him as our leader. That's fine. But let's get to the nitty-gritty. Now that, I know that. <laughs> okay. What happens if this man has said, or done something, or there's something in his teachings that clearly contradict the Qur'an and Sunnah. What happens? Theoretically speaking, okay, for many of these groups, theoretically speaking, the Qur'an and Sunnah is still the final source. Theoretically speaking, for some of these groups. Some don't even bother to say that. But in reality, what happens? In reality, of if one of these imams has made a mistake and every human being makes a mistake and has done something that has gone against the Qur'an wa Sunnah, in reality his followers are not free to reject what he said and follow the Qur'an wa Sunnah. And that is the reality of the matter. 
that they are obliged by their group to follow their teachings even if they are not completely correct with the Quran and Sunnah. Even if they are not applicable or correct for a specific time and place. So therefore, basically, their standard is not is no longer the Quran and Sunnah. Their standard is the Quran and Sunnah, not conditionally, uh, not unconditionally and completely. As I said, this is only the Salafi Dawah. It is not unconditional and complete acceptance of the Quran and Sunnah, but it is the Quran and Sunnah as conditioned by and as specified by the teachings of so-and-so. And you expect all the Muslims to gather around upon this? It's impossible. And in fact, if you study these groups, they're all members. Alhamdulillah, Allah has guided them that this is wrong, we have to follow the Quran and Sunnah, so they refuse to follow it, what their, te- what their leaders say. So what happens? They either get kicked out of the group, or they're treated by the group as their enemies, or they're forced to join, go out and make their own group based on what they believe is correct. So the loyalty then becomes not based on the Quran and Sunnah, but the loyalty becomes based on that particular group. Yani al-wala wal-bara, so to speak, is no longer yani, around the Quran and Sunnah or around Islam, but it is based on the teachings of that group. And this is something that yani, the Muslims as a whole, and if we're looking for true Muslim unity, they will never be able to come all together upon that, something of that nature. And then we have the other side, perhaps the other extreme, that in reality doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And that is where the Muslims come together in some kind of umbrella organization, open to all Muslims. You're Muslim, you just come in and you're part of us, and this is unity. And we'll agree to disagree. Right? So they come together in the name of Islam saying, we're working for unity. See, we're bringing together all Muslims. One in one such group, the president of the, of the group. After mentioning, I mean, it's kind of strange what he said and did, but after mentioning one who, person who has some kind of strange ideas, he said, you see, this group, we're open to all Muslims. Now, what kind of unity are you going to have in a group like that? And to me, this is the, this is the biggest facade possible and it to come together under such a banner because first of all the only way you could come together in that way is if you're willing to compromise your beliefs that's the only way and if, for example Ahl Sunnah the Sunnis say we should love and we should revere the Sahaba we should respect them We should never curse them or abuse them or anything like this. And this is something, and from the Quran and from the Prophet ﷺ, that every Sunni has to believe. So you ask him now to become united with a group of people who take it as part of their faith to curse Abu Bakr and Umar. Now the only way they can come and be united, as, as, as I said, is if the Sunni himself doesn't really care about his religion. He's willing to sacrifice one of the obligatory aspects of his religion to come together, and it's simply because we call ourselves Muslims. 
And if we're going to come together as Muslims, you're going to bring people, for example, who ridicule sometimes the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And you expect them to be united with people who respect and love the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. How is this going to be? It's going to be a unity in name only. And not only that, and I'm now I'm speaking from personal experience, what goes on within such a group, and they call themselves united and we're coming to the sake together for the sake of brotherhood and Islam, is that actually every group inside such, such an organization, such an umbrella organization, every group inside is fighting against the other. And still hating one another. In such a group, for example, the Shia are still fighting against the Sunni and trying to put their position and make their position dominant in the group. And the Sufis are doing the same and the Sunnis are doing the same. All of them fighting to get as much power and control inside the group as they can. And this is what they call unity. And if they are exactly as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described another group, and if the Jews... In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says yani, that the Jews will not fight against you even together, except in fortified townships or from behind walls. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بَأْسُهُمْ بَيْنُهُمْ شَدِيدٌ تَحْسَبُهُمْ جَمِيعًا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ شَتَّةٌ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the enmity among themselves is very great. You would think that they were united but in fact their hearts are divided. And that's the kind of unity that these kind of organizations are calling for. And if their hearts are divided, their hearts are hating one another, and this is what they're calling unity. So my first point in this lecture is that if we want to bring about true unity among the Muslims, among all Muslims, then it must be based on something that all of these Muslims can agree upon. And in fact, the only thing, and even here you have some problem, but let's stick with the vast majority. <laughs> the only thing they can all agree upon is the Qur'an. And the Qur'an tells them to obey the Qur'an and to obey the Prophet Muhammad And if they differ in any matter, to take it back to Allah and the Messenger and to follow the way of the believers and the Salaf, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, and those who followed their way. And this is exactly what is known as the Salafi Da'wah. This is the Salafi Da'wah. And whether you call it the Salafi Da'wah or you don't want to call it the Salafi Da'wah, this is it. This is Islam, in fact. This is the true Islam. So now comes the next question, though. And certainly one may ask himself, well, if this is true, if what I'm saying is supposedly true, then is this da'wah bringing unity to the Muslims? And even stronger, if you want to put it in stronger terms, even among the Salafis themselves, is there unity? And you would think in, in theory, after all I've said, right, that the Salafis should their hearts should be together and there should be unity among them. Is there? 
Camel obviously has an opinion on this question. <laughs> but fortunately, I'm speaking, not him. <laughs> First of all, if there's not, let's make it clear that if there's not unity among the Salafis, it is not due to any weakness in the Salafi Dawah. And there's no weakness in the Salafi Dawah. If it is applied correctly and people accept it, there will be true unity. But there are problems that exist. And it basically, those problems are where we stray from the Salafi Dawah while we still call ourselves Salafis. And these are some of the points I want to discuss. And things that are existing today among the contemporary Salafis that are causes for why the Salafis themselves may not be united. And the first of these reasons has to do with a false concept or an incorrect understanding of what it means to be Salafi. And when we say that we emulate the Salaf and follow their way, on what matters? In what areas do we follow their way? And for many people, unfortunately many Americans and non-Americans, <laughs> did I miss anybody? <laughs> and for them, you get the feeling sometimes from speaking with them that to be Salafi is basically to have some articles of faith that you can rattle off on your tongue. For example, if someone has this, the correct belief about the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's Salafi. And nowadays that's about all it takes, unfortunately. And that and maybe a little bit more. You go up to someone, you ask him, where is Allah? What do you think of Asma wa Sifat? This is, oh, he's Salafi. And that, maybe you could call that one type of Salafi or one aspect, but it, uh, well, and you should really say it is one aspect of being Salafi. There's just one aspect of being Salafi. There's much more than that to being Salafi. When you claim to be following the way of the Salaf, you are saying that you're following the way of the Salaf. And the way of the Salaf is not just with respect to some matters of Aqeedah, but it is with respect to the deen as a whole. How come you claim to be Salafi, for example, and all of your character, all of your behavior is exactly in opposition to the way of the Salaf? And how could that be? Unless your understanding of what it means to be Salafi is completely wrong. And a Salafi is not some kind of test. You take a test, you pass the test, you're Salafi. We grade on a curve. More of you are Salafis than if we don't. But and this, being Salafi really is the goal. Yani that you are applying your life in the way that the Sahaba 
the way that the, the first generation of Muslims applied their lives. And you're taking on their characteristics and behavior because their characteristics and behavior are the characteristics that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the behavior that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to have in the Quran and Sunnah. Just take, let's just take one example. <clears throat> one of the characteristic, characteristics of the Salaf was that they were very forgiving. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and He describes the believers, and this is describing the Salaf, the Sahaba in particular. And those who repress their anger, who repress anger and who pardon men, who are forgiving to men, forgiving any to others. Verily Allah loves the good doers. And if you study their lives, you'll see that if someone hurts them personally, personally, and they're very willing to forgive. And they will forgive any personal attacks or any personal harm that came to them. If it's something related to the deen, that's something else. But themselves, personally, and respect for other believers, and not harming the other believers' wealth or honor, this is one of their characteristics. And especially respecting the honor of other believers. And this is something, unfortunately, any many Salafis nowadays seem to have completely forgotten. So the first point is the concept of Salafi, of what it means to be Salafi. And is, inc is incorrect in the minds of many people. And we should look towards Salafi more as, trying, as this is the goal that we are aspiring to fulfill in our lives. And inshallah, if we fulfill it, we have the correct aqidah, the correct understanding, the correct application, the correct character, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring our hearts together, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought the hearts of the sahaba together, inshallah. Secondly also, there's also a misunderstanding concerning the concept of unity as being agreement on all matters. And I touched upon this, I think, lightly in one of my other lectures. But they're all related to each other, so don't... Uh. <laughs> and besides, inshallah, those who were sleeping at that time might be awake now and, and vice versa, so... <clears throat> what I mean by this point is that for some people, and if they take the stance that to be Salafi means you agree on all these points, even in matters of fiqh, even in matters in which there might be ijtihad and difference of opinion, and in permissible, I mean from the Sharia point of view, permissible difference, difference of opinion, and even in these matters, if someone differs from them, then they consider that person no longer Salafi. And he's, he's left the inner circle of, of Salafism. Salafism, by the way, get used to that term, it's going to come up a few times. <laughs> and this is, 
this is unbelievable. But this is, this is what we're seeing. The true unity, the true unity is the unity of the hearts. Where the hearts are brought together and there is true love for one another in the hearts. And this does not mean that there will be agreement on every issue. Someone prays like this after Ruku, the other one prays like this. And he thinks of this nature. And some Muslims, they, they, they allow this to divide themselves. And claim that someone is no longer Salafi because he's following a different ijtihad. And disagreements will exist. But the disagreements will not be on the basics, on the basis, or the basics of the religion, and those things that are clear without question from the Quran and Sunnah. And those disagreements will not enter into the hearts of the people such that they will still have love for one another. And I, I remember one time, uh, in Boulder, one of our one of our dear brothers was leaving, my, my sheikh, my Arabic teacher, my uh, economics compadre also, unfortunately. And he was leaving. So he was leaving the next day and the, uh, the emir of the community, who was also a very close friend of his, and he stood up and he said, our brother so-and-so is leaving tomorrow and you know, and we all love him very much. And even he said one thing in the statement, it's kind of strange that he mentioned it at that time, but and it's true. And he said, you know, we love him very much and we appreciate everything that we did, that he did for us. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward, to reward him and to continue this love in our hearts for one another. Even though we disagreed with some of his uh, points sometimes. <laughs> but that disagreement, yani, did not enter into his heart. And this is what Hassan al-Basri one time said. <clears throat> that those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown mercy to, they have disagreements, the kind of which do not harm them whatsoever. Well, Ibn Taymiyyah in one passage, and he described the cases where there are permissible differences of opinion. He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to obey Allah and obey the messenger and those in authority among us, and ordered us in case of dispute to return it to Allah, to refer to Allah and to the messenger. And Allah has ordered us to come together and to and bring our hearts together, and Allah has prohibited us from division and dividing. And Allah has ordered us to ask forgiveness for those people who have preceded us in Iman, and has named us Muslims, and has ordered us to continue on that path until our death. And the Sahaba used to debate with each other in a kind of debate which is seeking advice and counsel from one another. Perhaps they would sometimes disagree in a matter, masalat ilmiyah, and a matter even related to aqidah sometimes, that was very rare, wal amaliyah, yani practical matters. However, at the same time, their affection and their love and their protection for one another and the brotherhood of the religion stayed in their hearts. However, whoever, yani completely, whoever disagrees with something clear from the Quran and something well established from the Sunnah, or what the Salaf have agreed upon, and he would differ, a disagreement uh, or a difference of opinion that is not excusable, then that person is to be 
treated like Ahl al-Bid'ah. So as I said, and this is a point that is very much misunderstood by the Salafis today. By, or I should say, you know, by many people who adhere to the Salafi methodology. They think, for example, if you disagree or you follow a fiqh opinion different from their fiqh opinion or Al-Albani's fiqh opinion or Bin Baz's fiqh opinion or whoever, then it's like you left, you left the Salafi way. And you are no longer Salafi. Now, obviously this is wrong. And there are matters in which difference agreements are permissible. And so therefore these kind of difference opinions should never ever enter into our hearts. And should never lead any of us to believe that someone else is not the Salafi. Because he does not follow the same opinions that we follow. Now thirdly also we find that sometimes some of the principles of the Salafi way are misapplied. Or let me, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> let me take an example. And where, for example, two principles might be taken and, and applied in different ways. The application of these principles, there might be different, different opinion concerning the application of these principles. The most important thing to be from the way of the Salaf is to have the correct aqidah and believing in the correct principles and methodology. Believing in the correct principles and methodology. Now how those principles and methodology are to be applied, sometimes you may differ about them, but that does not remove you from the realm of being Salafi. And in fact, such things existed among the Salaf. And in fact, today, if many of the Salafis were alive during the time of the Salaf, during the time of the Sahaba and the following generations, they would have declared many of them non-Salafis. And it, let's take a classic example that is existing today. There is a principle among the Muslims, among the Sunni Muslims, the way of the Salaf, that we do not revolt against Muslim rulers. As long as they do not display a clear form of kufr, we do not revolt against them, but we listen to them and we obey them in anything which is not contrary, contrary to the Quran and Sunnah. And we do not revolt against them because we believe that revolting against them will bring about more harm, loss of life for Muslims and so forth. So we remain patient. And this principle can be established and can be proven from many hadith of the Prophet ﷺ and evidences from the Qur'an and Sunnah. And all Salafis agree on this principle. There's another principle. And that is the principle that Muslims have the obligation to order what is right, establish what is right, and eradicate what is evil to the best of their abilities. If they can do it by their hand, then they do it by their hand, otherwise by their tongue. If not, then in the heart, and that is the weakest part of Iman. All Salafis have to accept that. It's clear it can be proven from the Quran and Sunnah. Suppose there is a Muslim ruler. 